invite you to take your Bible, if you would, as we take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 4. Gospel of John, chapter 4. And we're going to turn to one of the most interesting episodes in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The healing of the nobleman's son. We are in a series of messages, God's answers to man's needs. Today, we're looking at God's answers to man's doubts. Do you ever doubt? Do you ever have the problem of lack of faith? Absolutely. I remember that um, going to circus one time when I was a little boy. And uh, as I was going to the circus, I remember seeing these large elephants. And never even stopped to think about this. You got these large elephants, and yet they're chained to about an 18-inch stake. Why, you would think that those elephants could pull those stakes up, but they never do. And yet, a man, in his own human strength, which is much less than an elephant, he could go and pull those uh, stakes up without any problems whatsoever. Well, let me ask you a question. What in the world would keep those elephants from doing the same thing? When they were small, and as baby elephants, they were chained to those stakes. And they were taught and trained that they could never pull those stakes up out of the ground. Even though they had grown and matured and began to develop a large beast of an animal, they still could not bring themselves up of thinking that they could pull those stakes up. As I stop and I think about that, there's a lot of people today are chained to stakes. They're chained to a stake of sin. In their life, they have been involved in sin all their life, and it seems as if they are chained to that stake, and they can't quite get rid of that stake. Some are chained to suffering. Some are chained to other uh, experiences of life that handicaps them from being and experiencing the freedom that they so well desire. Well, the only way that you're going to break those chains, my friend, is, of course, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to find today how you're able to do that by faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. How in the world do we have the faith that God wants us to have and to exercise it in our life that we might be set free from those chains? Well, we find a perfect example and an illustration here in this passage of Scripture. We need a faith that conceives the invisible. We need a faith that believes the incredible. We need a faith, my friend, as children of God that receives the impossible. God wants you and I to experience the impossible. I don't know about you today, but I wonder if you feel like you've been chained, just like that elephant, and you do not have the freedom, and you do not have that experience of 
being rescued from those bonds of slavery. Well, today we're going to see and show you how you can experience that. With your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? John chapter 4. And we're going to begin reading in verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Can you not sense the desperation of this man? Can you not sense almost a panic within his voice? Lord, my son is about to die. And I need you to come. And I need you to come and heal my child. Listen to what Jesus said to him. Jesus said unto him, Go your way. Your son lives. Can you imagine what that must have meant to that man? I wonder if there should not have been a, a moment of doubt. My son lives? Why, you're 22 miles away from my son. You're telling me my son lives? And yet when I left him, he was at the point of death. But the man said, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. They said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Then again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that through your son Jesus Christ that we're able to draw faith. And that our faith becomes manifested in such a manner that our lives becomes released from the bondages that tries to handicap us. The bondage of sin, the bondage of suffering, the bondage of sorrow. Father, no doubt I'm talking to someone here today. They feel that bondage. I'm praying, dear Lord, that as you rescued this son, you'll do likewise in the lives of these individuals here today. Speak, O Lord, through your servant, that your children might be encouraged and challenged and convicted. And Father, we'll be grateful 
for the way that you do a mighty work in the midst of your people. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is one of the most exciting passages of scriptures of Jesus' work as he was here on the face of this earth. The Bible said he had already performed one miracle here at Canaan where he had performed the changing the water into wine. But now he has come back. And now we're finding that he has been approached by a nobleman. There's a couple things I want you to notice with me as we study this passage of Scripture. You go back and you look at verse 46 and verse 47. The first thing I want you to note with me is that when Greece strikes, God says, just trust me. When grief strikes, just trust me. Grief comes our way. None is immune to grief. None is immune to sickness. None is immune to sorrow and suffering. And as this man began to realize that very fact, the Bible says in verse 46 that there was a certain nobleman. A nobleman means that he was a part of the king's court. means he was a man of great prominence, a man of great wealth, a man of great power. But all of a sudden, something has happened in his household, his son. Now, I don't know if it was his only son, but I know that this son was dear to his heart because you can read as you study this passage of scripture, that this boy was at the point of death. And he goes and he has heard about this one by the name of Jesus Christ. He's gone now and he's making an appeal before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, no doubt, before the hand, he had spared no expense of trying to get his son well. Probably had the best doctors, probably had the best medicine, no matter whatever the cost was, he was prepared to meet that responsibility. My friend, he came to an understanding that there are certain things money cannot buy. Money can buy sex, but it cannot buy love. Money can buy people, but it cannot buy friends. Money can buy influence, but it cannot buy respect. Money can't buy pleasure, but it cannot buy peace. Money can do many things, but when it comes down time to a sickness, my friend, sometimes money cannot prevail and meet the need of that individual. Have you ever noticed that when grief comes our way, whether it's sickness, whether it's a heartache, whether it's a trial, whether it's a situation that how it grabs you and draws you closer to the Lord. Some of the greatest moments of one's life is when you're finding yourself in the midst of a trial. You're in the midst of a trouble. A loved one, a child. At the point of death. What do you do? 
Well, you do what this man did. You began to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And you seek Him. And you seek Him for His power. You seek Him for His healing. You seek Him. Some of the greatest moments of a person's life is in the moments of the greatest distresses of their life. When a distress comes upon your life, one or two things will happen. It will make you better or it will make you bitter. And I've seen that happen in a lot of people's lives today. That when tragedy comes, they become bitter. They become bitter toward God. They become bitter toward the church. They become bitter toward mankind. But then I have seen it where it kind of draws you into a matter of the grace of God and that His peace that passes all understanding comes and is displayed in your life and that He manifests Himself to you there in the midst of that distress. This is what this man is beginning to experience. Heard about this lady one time. She had been sick and the doctor says, well, we've done all we have done, all that we can do, and we must trust the Lord. She said, has it gotten that bad? That's the way some people feel. Has it gotten that bad that I've got to trust the Lord? Well, my friend, I want you to understand, God sometimes brings you into an arena where you have to trust him. And that's one of the greatest places to be sometimes. This is exactly where this man was at. He was at the point of where he was at desperation, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what the Bible says in verse 49. You can almost sense this man is begging the Lord Jesus Christ. The noble woman said to him, Sir, come down for my child before my child dies. He's almost as if he's begging him. He's almost as if he's pleading. He's almost at the point of where I have nowhere else to turn. Well, he's turning to the right place. Turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the Bible says something very interesting that I I find that what Jesus says. Jesus says there in verse 48. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Oh, there was a crowd that was following the Lord Jesus. They had heard about him performing miracles. They were what you know of today as miracle mongers. As long as he was performing miracles, they were following him. We have people like that today. Well, I promise you that if we were to announce that we're going to have a miracle service next Sunday morning, and that everybody with a cane or everybody with a crutch or everybody with a, uh, some type of problem physically, if you'll come today and we're going to pray over you and you're going to be healed, you're going to rise and you're going to walk, while well, we could pack this place out, my friend. And yet those very same people would not walk across the street to see someone get saved. 
Miracle mongers. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying to this crowd. You're nothing but a bunch of miracle mongers. You're wanting to see the miracle more than you're wanting to see the Messiah. You're more interested in the supernatural than you are interested in the Savior. And I believe there's people just like that today. Uh, you know, I always have problems with these faith healers. I, I've always thought that if they could perform all these mighty miracles, and believe me, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe in miracles. And I believe in miracle working power. But I believe it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. But these miracle workers that we see sometimes on our TVs, and we see in crusades, why don't they go to the children's hospital and walk up and down the hallways and heal some of these little children? Miracle mongers Jesus was being approached with. Jesus is saying, you are nothing but a bunch of miracle mongers. But I want you to see with me in this passage of Scripture something very interesting. Not only when grief strikes, the Lord says, trust me, just trust me. But also when God speaks, he says, that's when I want you to trust me. Look what he says in verse 50. Jesus said to him, said to the man, go your way, your son lives. Now I find it interesting. The man thought that it was important for Jesus to go to the house. It was almost as if that Jesus had a certain radiance of where he could heal. That he couldn't heal somebody by where he was at at this moment, miles and miles and miles away. But he had to go to the house. But here the Bible says that Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. Jesus refused to go with this man. Jesus wanted to do something very special. He was more concerned about the man's faith than he was about the son's predicament. Have you ever thought about that? He was concerned about the man's faith. He says in verse 50, your son lives. And then the Bible says, so the man believed. The Word. God is more interested in your faith, my friend, than He is about your future. He's more interested about your faith than He is about your feelings. He is more interested about your faith than He is anything else in your life. The Bible tells me in Romans chapter 10, verse 7, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. Has the Lord spoke to you lately? He said, well, I asked him to speak to me. Well, when's the last time you picked up the Word of God? There's something about reading the Word of God and that the Word of God is God's voice speaking to you in that manner of the time of need. Oh, how soothing it is to take the Word And to begin to believe and to read the Word and allow it to become manifested within your life. This man thought, believing is seeing. 
I'll believe when I see my son is healed. The Lord was telling him, I want you to believe without seeing. If you come to my house, let me see you touch him. Let me see you pray over him. Let me see you heal him. Then I'll believe. Jesus was saying to him, Sir, you've come to a fork in the road. A fork in the road of whether to believe without seeing or a fork in the road of doubting. I heard a story one time back during the pioneer days. There was this guy that was going through the desert, very thirsty. Had no water for a couple of days and he comes to this well. And there at that well, there's a pump, an old iron pump. And oh, he's so thirsty. And he was wondering, how in the world am I going to get any water to drink? And then he happened to notice up upon that pump was a glass jar of water. Oh, he wanted to pick up that jar of water and to drink it. But then he happened to notice there was a sign that said, take the jar, pour it into the pump, and begin to crank that pump as fast as you can, and you'll have all the refreshing waters that you could possibly want. A point of decision. Do I take what I see, or do I take what I believe? And he poured that jar of water into that pump. And sure enough, all of a sudden, like a gershing well, those refreshing waters came out of that pump and gave him more than he needed. And then the note says, now be sure that when you finish, that you fill the jar back up for the next person that comes by. Sometimes, my friend, God puts us at the point of where we are challenged to believe in what we cannot see. That's where faith really comes. It's where this man was experiencing that I am to believe whether I can see it or not. That's what faith is all about. And the Bible talks about it's impossible to walk and to grow and to mature and to develop in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ without believing, without seeing. And so this man here was challenged. I find it interesting. The Bible says in verse 50, look at here. So the man, the Bible says, the man believed. And then the Bible says, and he went his way. That's interesting. Go down to verse 53 just for a moment. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he said, and he himself believed. And his whole household. He used the word believe two different times. 
Same word, but different meaning. See, there's different levels of belief. The Bible says in verse 50, he went his way. Now, let me ask you a question. Capernaum was about 22 miles from Canaan. And so when the Lord said to the man, your son is going to live. Your son is healed. What would you have done? Would you turn right around and went back to your home to check on your son? I think I would. The man didn't do it. The man didn't do it. In fact, it was more than 24 hours before he went back home. And when as he was coming back home, his servant said, Your son is healed. He says, well, let me ask you a question. When was he healed? He said it was on about the seventh hour. And then he happened to remember that was the same hour the day before that I was talking to Jesus. See, Capernaum, about 22 miles, it would take about five hours to walk it. Two hours, at best, to ride it in a chariot. And this nobleman, no doubt, had a chariot. Where did the man go? About 24 hours. He went on about his business. No doubt he had business there in Cana. And he went about and he carried out his business. Man, you talking about belief. You talking about believing. The Bible says he believed. He exercised faith. Didn't come home immediately. But I want you to see something that is so encouraging about this. Look with me, if you would, in verse 52 again. The Bible says in verse 52, Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew. That it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed. And his whole household. And his whole household. There's more than one kind of faith. This guy was exercising two kinds of faith. First of all, in verse 50, he was believing that his son was going to be healed. In verse 53, that word believe, was believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. This man brought him to a point in a place of faith of not only believing that Christ, you can heal my son, but you can also heal my old sinful dirty heart as well. And the Bible says that and his whole household was saved. First, verse 50 was a satisfying faith. In verse 53 was a saving faith. So important. First, he believed in the promise. Now, he believes in the person. He believed in the promise that his son was going to be healed. Now, he believes in his Savior. 
Have you not seen that experience? I've seen it so many times where God has done the supernatural in people's lives. Healing a sickness. Taking care of a crisis of a home. And in the midst of that, their faith began to be stretched. And there they began to respond to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I can almost imagine as he gets home and he is surrounded by his servants, jumping up joyfully that his son has been healed. His wife comes running out. Oh, our son has been healed. He is, his fever is broken. And I can almost imagine the man saying, you know what? There's something deeper here of a need than just my son's physical needs. It's our need spiritually. This was the whole point of Jesus in the first place. This is why Jesus did what he did in the first place, was bring them to the point and the place of their belief in Him as Lord and Savior. Oh, I want to see my son not only healed, but I want to see him saved. He believed in household salvation. Moms, dads, I want you to understand the greatest, greatest ambition that you could ever display is the displaying of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that your whole household will believe. That you will see that your children will follow your footsteps of believing. That's exactly what happened here. Here was a father took the first step and his son began to follow him right in the steps of his father. I remember reading a story. There was this little boy. He was born by birth with a physical defect. His legs was all mangled and he could not walk. He was born to a very poor, poor little lady. They didn't barely have enough money to survive. And she would go off to work to help clean houses. She would leave papers on the floor for him to to read and to entertain himself while she was away. He was a very vivid reader and he began to read about this Dr. Lorenz from Italy. He came to the United States to perform a surgery upon this very wealthy millionaire's daughter who had a problem just like this little boy had. And oh, one day as his mother returned home, he showed her the article in the paper and says, Mother, Mother! Wouldn't it be wonderful if this guy could operate on me? She goes into the bedroom and cries her eyes out, saying, crying out to the Lord, Lord, if only I had the money to pay for this doctor to 
performed such a mighty, miraculous surgery upon my son that he too might be able to walk. Till finally she got up enough faith that she went to the doctor's office. And as she walked into the office, the nurse met her and said, I want to see the doctor. He says, well, do you have an appointment? No, I don't have one. Well, about that time, she happened to notice the doctor that walked by had his own long white coat on. And she realized that he was the doctor. She rushes to him and almost falls at his feet. And she begins to plead to this doctor about her son's needs. And said, oh, if you could just perform this surgery, that my son could be able to walk. The doctor says, do you have any money, ma'am? She says, no, I don't. But she began to beg and she began to plead and she believed that her hope was in this doctor. He agreed to perform the surgery. In fact, he raised the money to take care of all the expenses of the medical needs. Miraculously, he was able to take his skillful hands and correct the legs and the bones within those legs that he might be able to walk. After a period of time there in the hospital as he was recovering from his surgery. He told his mother, he says, Mom, he said, I want you to go to the window and I want you to close your eyes. The little boy gets out of the bed, walks over to the window beside of her and he stands beside of her and she looks down and she sees the miraculous take place. This little boy now is able to walk wasn't long after that Dr. Lorenz came into the hospital room and told the little boy that he was going back to Italy because he had other patients that he had to tend to. And the little boy could not believe that this doctor was leaving. But here's what he said. He says, Doctor, as long as I've got a tongue in my mouth, nobody will ever forget what you have done for me. My, have you ever stopped to think of the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done? Have you ever stopped to think that you was paralyzed by sin and that Christ reaches down and he corrects those bones that has been broken by sin. And he reaches down and he heals you and he restores you and he makes you new. And the Bible says you're like a new creation and old things pass away and all things pass away. My friend, I want to remind you, you should have the same desire as that little boy. As long as I got a tongue, nobody will ever forget what you have done for me, Jesus. That's what Thanksgiving is all about, my friend. Telling the world of what Jesus has done for us.
Would you bow with me in prayer? Every head bowed and every eye shut. How's your faith? When problems rises, grief strikes, do you find yourself trusting? When God speaks, do you find yourself trusting or doubting? When grace summons, do you find yourself trusting? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Right there where you're sitting, has your faith been challenged this past week? Have you found yourself filled with doubts? Why don't you do like what this man? Come before the Lord Jesus Christ. Cry out to him. I am in need. And see what he does. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that's what he's crying out to you today to do. To trust him. To believe on him. To accept him. And to receive him. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for so much for the way that you work in our lives and that you take circumstances in life and you draw us to you. You take crisis and you draw us to you. Oh, dear Lord, may we respond by trusting you and believing you. Lord, there's some people here today that have been challenged this past week. I want to encourage them to come to you like this man did. I want them to be encouraged to just believe like this man did. And how it literally revolutionized their life and changed them. You're here today and you never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. You're here today and you have trusted Him, but you've never been baptized as we saw earlier today. By you being baptized and following His will, you're saying, I trust you. I trust you. You're here today and God's challenged you to be a part of the fellowship of this church. You are responding by saying, I trust you, Lord. That's exactly what you want me to do and where you want me to serve you and where you want me to be. You need to make that decision today. You're at a crossroads. A crossroads of trusting or doubting. What will it be? In Jesus' name.